want to read from the scriptures now, and I'm going to read from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. These are very familiar verses to us, but as we read them, we remember that they are God's word to us. John 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this afternoon. At this point in our service, I want to say a word or two about Graham's life. Robert Graham Robinson was born on the 11th of August, 1961. He was the youngest child of Robert and Elsie Robinson and the greatly loved younger sibling of Sandra. Graham's father sadly died in 1992 but we are thankful that Elsie is able to be with us today. Graham was born and raised on the Carnalbana Road and attended Upper Buckna Primary, somewhat begrudgingly, it must be said. In fact, begrudgingly is putting it kindly. Sandra has spoken of how Graham was trailed to school and of how bribery was used to get him there. There was often a bar of chocolate on hand to convince him to go in. Graham moved to the boys' intermediate in Balamina when he was 11, and he left at 16, and he didn't do one day extra. In fact, he finished a couple of days earlier than he should have. All in all, Graham didn't enjoy school, and it's hard to know how it might have gone without Sandra's influence and her chocolate. After leaving school at 16, Graham worked for John McCurdy. He had been working for John from the age of 14, but went full-time a couple of years later. He farmed with John, and it was through his childhood and in these early years that Graham fell in love with farming. 
Farming was, became one of Graham's passions in life. He did some relief milking and was a jack of all trades. He has been described to me as someone you could phone if you had trouble in the night, whether it was, cal whether it was calving a cow, lambing a sheep or anything else. He fell in love with someone else in his early days too. He met a young girl called Heather through some CE meetings that were organised between Buckna and Connor Presbyterian churches. And without mentioning too much of the detail, it was essentially love at first sight. Graham pursued Heather for some time after they first met though, to the extent that he had gone looking for her house, having spotted her address on her sister's hymn book. The address that he went to turned out to be the wrong address, but he got his girl in the end. Graham and Heather were married on the 2nd of August 1983 and would have marked their 40th anniversary later this year. Their marriage was blessed through the birth of their children, Stephen and Joanne, and they set up home on the, the Carnalbana Road before moving into an extension at the family home following Graham's father's death. Graham's greatest love, however, was for his saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, Graham was converted at the age of 14 and faithfully followed his Lord and King until his death on Friday. Having experienced the grace of God, Graham was passionate about reaching the lost and sharing the good news. He was actively involved in evangelism. He, distri he distributed tracts in Carnlock. He was part of the initial core group of the farmer's mission. His simple desire was that people might hear of Jesus and come to trust in him. He attended meetings at various mission halls across the braid on a regular basis, whether it, whether it was at the cross or teenies. Heather mentioned that date nights with Graham either involved farming or attending meetings or midweeks or church services. And Graham's godly character led the congregation here in Buckna to elect him as an elder. He was ordained and installed on the 28th of April, 1996, and was known for his faithfulness and dedication to the work of the church. Graham had other interests too. In his early years, he enjoyed stock car racing. He also owned a blue charade that he was particularly proud of. He wasn't into sport at all, but did like wrestling. He was also involved in local politics for a while and ran for the DUP in local government. Despite his lack of interest in school in his early days, Graham served on the Board of Governors of Hazelbank Primary School, first as a parent rep and then as a transferer representative. Stephen and Joanne went through Hazelbank and have been followed by their children. And Graham's quiet support and gentle manly approach were greatly valued and will be missed by the school family and the wider community. The family circle have described Graham as dependable and someone who was always smiling. He was rarely cross or angry and didn't hold grudges. One of the lines they remember him repeating again and again was pour on the oil. He said that when someone had annoyed or upset a family member, pour on the oil. Sometimes the family would say, well, do you know, the oil's running low. And Graham would respond by saying, well, go and get filled up, go and get some more oil. Graham Robinson was loyal, dedicated, resilient, hardworking, and he loved his saviour. His death on Friday came as a great blow to his family. They have asked me to thank the staff at the Macmillan Unit at Antrim Area Hospital, the staff at Brashean Medical Practice, and family members and friends 
who have helped them in recent times. Graham was dearly loved and will be sadly missed. Yet in thinking ahead to this day, Graham was very clear that it shouldn't be about him. The, 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 the longing of his heart in the face of death was that the people he knew, the people he worked with, might come to know Jesus. And with that in mind, I want us to consider the verses that we read together a moment ago. Some of you here today might have known that Graham was a Christian, but you don't really understand or know what it means to be a Christian. In the simplest of terms, a Christian is someone who believes the gospel. Now that may raise another question in your mind, namely, what is the gospel? Well, it's neatly summarized in the verses we've read together this afternoon and is neatly summarized by one verse in particular. The the gospel is this, that God has so loved the world that he has given his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is perhaps the most famous summary of the gospel in the entire Bible. It's perhaps the most well-known verse of scripture throughout all the world. Even though it's familiar, it's worth our consideration, particularly in light of Graham's life and his desire for the lost to come to know Christ. The context of the most famous verse in the whole Bible is that Jesus has been speaking to a religious leader called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was unlike other religious leaders of Jesus' day in that he engaged with Jesus rather than opposing and intimidating him. One of the fascinating details that John includes in Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus is that he goes to see him by night. That's mentioned in verse 2 and writers on this passage point out that the darkness in which Nicodemus approaches Jesus represents where he stands spiritually. He goes to Jesus in the darkness of the night. He goes to Jesus as someone who is living in spiritual darkness. And as this spiritually dark person, as this sinner encounters Jesus, Jesus speaks clearly about what is required of anyone to know God. Jesus explains that Nicodemus must be born again and that that only happens by the work of the Spirit of God. Having recorded Jesus' explanation of how someone becomes a Christian, John records wonderful words of Christ in verse 16. The purpose of recording these words of Christ was to make things plain for all who read them, including us as we meet together this afternoon. Through verse 16, through the most well-known verse in the whole of the Bible, Jesus points out two things. He says that there is no other way to be saved and that there is no greater love available. First of all, through verse 16, Jesus says that there is no other way to be saved. Listen again to what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The key phrase for us to pick up is whoever believes in him. What Jesus says here is exclusive. He's saying that there is only one way for rebellious sinners to come to know God, and that is through him. The the, the Bible is fundamentally clear on this issue, of course. In the Old Testament, Israel was called to follow and serve Yahweh, the only God, yet time after time they failed and they turned away from him. 
In the New Testament, this becomes even clearer as Jesus is revealed as the only Messiah, the only Savior. In one of his sermons recorded for us in the book of Acts, the apostle Peter said, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Whoever believes in him is a key phrase because it closes the door on any other way that we might think we can use to reach God or know God. It closes the door on the notion that our good works or good deeds might swing the balances in our favor. Isaiah puts it provocatively when he says that in our natural sinful state, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. It closes the door on the thought that our religiosity, church attendance, respect for religion, moral uprightness might allow us into God's heaven. Jesus once compared the religious elite of his day to whitewashed tombs, people who looked clean on the outside, but who were rotten to the core spiritually. And it closes the door on the belief that we can reach God by our own efforts, that we can achieve salvation ourselves if we say the right things, do the right things, even believe the right things. Speaking of himself, Jesus says that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. There is no other way to be saved. The, the, the exclusive nature of Christianity is a theme of John's gospel, a theme that is most clearly expressed through Jesus' words in John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible is is really clear on this issue. Jesus is really clear on this issue. Graham was really clear on this issue. There is no other way to be saved. Salvation only comes by believing in him, in Christ. If you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, what what is it that you're hoping will save you? In light of this verse, in light of the entire Bible, you need to realize that there is no other way to be saved. As well as that, though, you, you also need to understand that there is no greater love available. No other way to be saved and no greater love available. One of the most tragic things about life in the modern world is that people are looking for love and satisfaction and hope in all of the wrong places. Through verse 16, we're reminded that there is no greater love available. Listen again to what Jesus says. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This statement from Jesus is really quite astounding, especially when we consider the context in which he spoke it. The Old Testament only spoke of God's love for his people, Israel. But in speaking about God's love for the world, Jesus makes it clear that the love of God is available to everyone. It's not limited to a specific group of people. The love of God for lost sinners is unimaginable in terms of its reach. The world that's spoken of is the rebellious world of God's image bearers. God loved fools, rebels, idolaters, and sinners so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to redeem them, to purchase them. There is no greater love available. Today is a difficult day for the family circle and for us as Graham's friends. 
Graham's family are saying goodbye to someone they loved, yet the human love we know and experience in our hearts is but a shadow of the love of God. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And he gave Jesus so that all those who believe might not perish, but might have and enjoy eternal life. Well, what's interesting with the mention of eternal life is that it speaks of the quality of life, not not so much the quantity of life. Eternal life in the Bible is defined as knowing God and his son. It is earthly entry into the everlasting and ever-blessed life of the age to come. Upon coming to know Christ, we are ushered into the initial stages of eternal life. Yet we see dimly through a veil of tears. It's not until we meet God through death that we experience eternal life in all its fullness. It's not until we're ushered to that farther shore that we realize that there is no greater love available. The hope for us as we meet together this afternoon is that Graham now fully and completely knows that there is no greater love available. By the grace of God, Graham came to realize that there is no other way to be saved. Following that realization, he trusted in Christ and is now with his Savior. We we may weep today, but Graham is rejoicing. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, the neatest summary of the gospel, reminds us that there is no other way to be saved and that there is no greater love available. Immediately before this most precious verse is the story of Nicodemus. And as we said a moment ago, he goes to Jesus by night and the darkness that surrounded him was a, a picture of his spiritual standing. But his story doesn't finish in this chapter. It finishes in John 19. Jesus had been tried. He had been sentenced to death. He had been flogged and beaten. He had been crucified. He had been taken down from the cross. But preparations were being made for his burial. And John tells us this in 1939. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. What's the significance of that? It's that Nicodemus gets it. He has, by the Spirit of God, working in his life, come to understand that there is no other way to be saved and that there is no greater love available. Why else would he risk everything and be with followers of Jesus as he's taken to be buried? In the same way that Nicodemus came to that profound, marvelous realization, so Graham came to that point as well. And the testimony of his life, the longing of his heart while he was here on earth, was that you, by the Spirit of God, might come to the same understanding. Let me challenge you, if you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, the darkness Nicodemus moved in is a picture of the darkness you're living in. And you cannot escape that darkness through anything you do. The only possible route, the only possible option available is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The most famous verse 
in the whole Bible, the neatest summary, summary of the gospel reminds us that there is no other way to be saved and that there is no greater love available. Where do you stand before Christ this afternoon? Where are you in spiritual terms? Are you living in darkness or are you walking in the light? If you haven't already turned to Christ, will you turn to him today? Graham's family have been praying that his life and his faith in the face of death might point you to the hope that he had, to the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus. The most famous verse in the whole Bible points you in the same direction. It tells you that despite your striving and efforts, there is no other way to be saved except through Jesus. But gloriously, it also tells you that there is no greater love available. When you come to know Jesus, you're ushered into the initial stages of eternal life. Though you see dimly now, one day you will experience his love fully and completely, just as Graham is. So if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't trusted in Christ, will you trust him today? It's my deep and earnest prayer that having considered the Lord's word together this afternoon, you will see your need of Christ and come to trust in him alone. The family have deeply appreciated the ministry of various gospel ministers over recent times. They would like to thank everyone who has cared for them from a spiritual perspective. Both they and I appreciate the presence of the Reverend Mark Neely here this afternoon. Mark is the minister in First Ahokal Presbyterian Church and is the previous minister of Buckna. He's going to come now and say a few words about Graham and then also lead us in prayer. Well, may I on your behalf thank Stephen for a very clear uh, presentation of the gospel, something that was very dear to Graham indeed. Uh, whenever I was thinking about Graham, I was realizing that I've known him now for over 20 years, and I have the most wonderful memories of Graham uh, during that time. From the day and hour Hazel and I arrived here in Bacna, we very much ex uh, received the warm uh, fellowship and friendship of the members of this congregation, and there's no family that could be said of more than the Robinson family. And uh, Graham and Heather very much took us under their wings and cared for us and loved us uh, from we came here. The kindness that they showed to us was one that we were always aware that we could never repay fully. Uh, and uh, therefore, they've always had a special place in our hearts. Now, when I first came here, one of the things that I really struggled with was the Buckna accent. Um, and uh, one of the real problems was that even though it was such a strong accent, uh, a lot of the folk spoke it very fast. Now, I'm not going to name any names here, Raymond, but there are those who could speak very fast. I'm going to be in trouble for that one later, Raymond, aren't I? Uh, there are those who could speak it very fast. One of the wonderful things about Graham was that even though he was as broad as they came, he spoke slowly enough that I could understand him. Mind you, some of the phrases that he spoke, I still struggle with. He would have come up to you and he said, that's a wild good day. Now, it was either good or it was wild. How you can have a wild good day, I do not know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was also him that told me 
uh, that Slemish is a great way to uh, work out what the weather is doing. Uh, if you can see Slemish, it's going to rain. If you can't see it, it's raining already. <laughs> and as Stephen said, Graham was a man of strong passions. He was passionate about farming. He worked very, very hard on the farm, whether it was his own farm or John's farm. Uh, he loved farming. Now, there were some days I'm sure he could see it far enough, but Graham loved farming. He was passionate about his family. He loved them dearly, and he would have done absolutely anything that he could for his family. And I know that you felt the same way for him. Indeed, in these days, whenever Graham's life was coming towards its end, his concern was not what lay ahead for him, because he was looking forward to that. But his concern was for the family that he would leave behind. He was passionate about farming, about his family, and he was passionate about prayer. He never missed the prayer meeting here in Bucknell, whether it was the early morning prayer meeting on a Monday or the prayer meeting on a Wednesday evening, the prayer meeting on a Friday evening, whether it was the elders' prayer time on a Sunday morning or the one before the service on a Sunday evening. And by the way, that's only barely scratching the surface of how this man loved prayer. He regularly would have used verses of hymns as he prayed. Uh, one of them was, there were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold. And here's the bit he always repeated in prayer. Away in the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. Away from the tender shepherd's care. When Graham prayed, he prayed for the lost. And as I look around this congregation today, I can tell you that there's some of your names I heard him mention in prayer. He had a, a real burning in his heart to see people come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Passionate about farming, passionate about his family, passionate about prayer, and passionate about the lost. Graham just loved talking about his Savior. When he talked about Jesus Christ, his face lit up. He loved to be able to share with others about what Jesus had done in his life, not only when he was 14, but in his life from that moment on. Graham loved to share Jesus Christ. We set up a wee prayer group to pray for the young farmers of the area. And towards the end of that little prayer group, we, we brought Graham onto it. And I can tell you that when we prayed, he was often in tears, struggling to speak because of the lump in his throat. And uh, even today, as I stand in front of you, I know what that feels like. And this prayer group eventually led to the farmer's mission that Graham was so involved in up to the, the end. Ultimately, Graham was passionate about his Lord. His death is a loss, a loss for his family, a loss for his friends, a loss for this congregation but it was again for Graham. Today he can look into the face of his Savior. Today he is able to see the wounds in his Savior's hands and feet and side. When he passed away, Graham will have heard those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. 
Graham did well because he knew and loved the Lord. And today, he is in a Savior's presence forevermore. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the life of Graham Robinson. We want to thank you for how his life has impacted on, on each of ours. We thank you for someone who is single-minded in his love for the Lord. We thank you for someone who in everything he did and thought and said was always considering his witness and how he could serve you better. We thank you for someone who had a passion about all of these things that have been mentioned here today, but who above all else had a passion for his Savior. And therefore, Lord, we rejoice in the fact today that Graham is better by far that any illness he experienced in his body in these latter days, that that has been healed fully and that he is with you in the joy of heaven forevermore. We thank you for his faith in you. We thank you for that time when he was 14, when you saved him from his sin, that he became one of those who was born again. And Lord, we thank you that ever from that moment he had a desire to serve you within his life. And we realize that for a time like this today, he would want the truth of the claims of the gospel to be proclaimed from this pulpit. And we thank you that they have. And we pray, Lord, for those here today who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, who cannot speak about their end with an assurance, knowing that for them to die, they will be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. And therefore, Lord, we ask for them today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would strive with them. We ask today that they would realize this vast love that you have for us in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that through him we may have eternal life. Lord, we pray for any without Christ. We ask that you would draw them to yourself and save them by your grace. We realize that for some here today, Graham had prayed long and hard that they would come to know Jesus Christ. How wonderful th to think today that even the angels could be rejoicing in heaven over a lost soul finding salvation. Lord, today we pray for Graham's family. We ask that you would comfort them in their sadness. Of his wife, Heather. And Lord, we realize they were almost married for 40 years. And usually when you saw one, the other one was there too. And Lord, we thank you for the love and attention that she has paid to Graham, particularly since his illness. And we just ask that you would undertake for her. We pray as well for his children, for Stephen and for Joanne, for uh, their uh, partners. We pray, Lord, that you would be with Shauna and that you would be with Darwin. We bring all of the grandchildren before you today. We pray for his sister and for his dear mother. And Lord, we realize that they have the longest memories of all of Graham. Lord, we ask that you would let them know that underneath and around are your everlasting arms. Help them, Lord, to hold on to the wonderful memories that they have of this wonderful man. And may they know of your grace and mercy and peace both now and in the days to come. Lord, help us 
to be wise about these matters. Help us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, and that we may repent, that we may be trusting in Jesus Christ. This is the only way. And we thank you for those beautiful words of our Savior when he said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Graham has entered into his eternal rest. And we thank you for that, Lord. We pray today that there would be those here who would know that rest of being saved from their sins and that today they would trust in Christ as their Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.